They're taking Cherubin pot strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time looms. And in the front bar of a top-end pub. So this dude bails me up at the bar and goes, mate, it's trolling, don't you know? It's trolling. And I said, you are an idiot. Don't embarrass yourself, fella. Everyone knows it's trolling. Uh-oh. Smith. What's going on? Jesus, is that the time? Oh, showtime. Great. Yeah, let's go. Quick, Hurry up. Drink get up. your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishos and welcome to the Tinny for another week. Tim Moore with you and they're all on deck. The whole crew's still here. We got Lisa the Brave, of course. We got uh, Packy Andy. G'day Packy. G'day, I love the Tinny. No the... matter where I am in the Tinny, it's a privilege. You can be the anchor gimp this week. I'll be whatever you want. Oh, no, no, that's not fair. How about I run the anchor? You hold the tiller this week. Oh, I'll be the anchor gimp. I don't mind. Thank you. Put that little ball in my mouth and get to work holding it. We just need one of those. We need a spot-lock electric motor. Then we've got to start saving so no one has to be the anchor gimp. Mm. That has been the great advance of the, the spot-lock electric. Oh. Is that no longer does someone have to suffer the pain in the bum in a uh, you know, six or eight knot roaring tide. Mm. Uh, dropping anchor, moving forward five metres, dropping again, no, we're not on the mark, move forward another ten, pull it again, drop yeah, it again, yeah, just it press means, the button. But it means you don't earn your stripes either. I mean, two of my good mates out there who know me as Bucket Boy, because that's what I grew up doing. I was the Bucket Boy on their boat, the anchor man, before I had my own boat. But you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? You can't just go straight to remote control this generation. So, so, so you reckon an anchor gimp, well, sorry, a decky, needs to sweat in some way to earn their stripes. Yeah, you're not going to say, like, yeah. now we're going to make you work. What you've got to do is, is press, press that this button. button. Yeah, no, not no, good no, enough. it's not, not the same. Is it, is it good enough work for a, a decky to earn their stripes by packing your lunch? Your lunch. Yes, your it is. Your decky pack yeah. your lunch. Yes, it is. And young Josh, who I fish with regularly, is the master of the gourmet wrap and the homemade muffin. Yeah, I always felt good about any decky mm. who I'd take fishing who brought me lunch. Oh, yeah. Bring, don't bring don't lunch. care. I'll, I'll pull the yep. anchor. Bring if you ice. brought lunch. Absolutely. Yeah. They're the little gestures that, that make people get invited back. Yeah, that, that really matter. So, Packy Andy, Tim Moore, Lisa the Brave, and Beard, of course. He's back in Darwin after being out at Gove. In fact, filed in from the servo first thing this morning. Hi, right, boys. It's, it's, uh, it's 10 to 6 in the morning. Petrol station sort of out, uh, heading out towards Lee Point. Uh, just hit up a dude. Obviously heading to Buff Creek Ram. How you going, bro? Good, good. Uh, mate, heading over to Shoal Bay. Uh, hopefully, yeah, target a couple of barra just on the outgoing and get home early. Uh, maybe play some golf later on. Yeah, if we can get out today, um, mate hit me up. So just want to get out and uh, have a bit of a crack. And, you know, there should be a few big girls getting around. So we'll see how we go. Thank you very much, mate. Take it easy. We'll see you out there. It's Beard at the Servo talking to old mate. That's gold. That's gold. Beard, beard hit up a bro at the Servo. Yeah. It's bro. <laughs> <laughs> or old mate lined up for a cracking good day, hitting Shoal Bay for half a day, then home to play golf. Yeah, perfect. No, no doubt uh, shoeless, 
with a six-pack at the gardens. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great day in the territory. Uh, but while Beard is kind of back in Darwin, he's still over in Gove at the same time. You won't believe it, but we'll hear him in both places on the tinny over the next hour or so. How do they do that, Tim? I don't know how that happens. It's like magic. A bit more from the Bureau this week, Andy. A sharp increase in humidity and overnight temperatures is coming this weekend. Mm. And the return of thunderstorms signalling, and I reckon it's time to officially call it, the build-up is here. Yeah, I do too. And that's a good thing. I mean, we just heard about Shoal Bay, that Bay of Shifting Sands. We're going to hear a bit more about Shoal Bay today also as it moves towards the build-up. Last Wednesday, Thursday, I did trips out did the low tide and that was the first sign of, signs of fish I've seen for the year. We got fish on both days. And more on the latest trend, Tim, in NT Blue Water and its ability to bond and test the family unit. You want the biggest challenge of a, of a, of a family or a marriage? Go bill fishing. The biggest challenge to a marriage <laughs> is bill, bill fishing with the family and the kids. I want his life. <laughs> and yet another... <laughs> no, it's pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy uh, and yet another case, unfortunately, Tim, of crab share farming as calls to include share farming stats in the Territory's annual crime statistics continue to build. So anyone out there that thinks of pulling someone else's pots is a good idea, just have a think about it. That wheel of karma might turn and one day you might need one of the Timmy Church to help you out. All that and more to think about as we waffle and you frothy to this week's Tales from the Tinny. So many fish. Ended up with nine over a metre and 20, probably 20 or so fish in the 90s. Never in your life, or my life, I've seen big fish all congregate in one spot. It's a fantastic day. Tales from the Tinny. We've been waiting for it for what seems like an eternity, and finally it has arrived, the build-up, and with it, the prospects for places like Shoal Bay. Bob Morris is with Shoal Bay Sports Fishing Tours. How are you going, Bob? Good, bud. Yourself? Good, mate. I don't want to dwell on the negatives too much, but that, that must have been a pretty tough dry season for fishing Shoal Bay, I'd be, I'd be pegging. Yeah, it'd be the toughest I've seen since I've been fishing there, I think. Just been horror and been hard to get any fish, and even the salmon were quiet. We usually get a few salmon, you know. The wind been killing us, and I don't think it's been as cold as other years, but the wind's just been relentless all year. What have you detected in the last week as the dew point starts to pick up, Bob? Yeah, well, I've... Last Wednesday, Thursday, I did trips out, did the low tide, and that was the first sign of, signs of fish I've seen for the year. We got fish on both days, and on the second day, we got some sort of nice quality 80 centimetre fish, those nice big fat build up barrows, and the customer lost a huge meter here. So that's a good sign the build up fish are starting to bite. Uh, it was a big fish, he hooked up on it, took about half a spool of line off him down the hole, then did a big aerobatics down the hole and spat the hook, you know, it was pretty spectacular. You fishing land base there, or you're in the boat? Uh, we get out of the boat and walk around. So he's hooked the meter, he, it's danced, and then run him down the hole. What he, He's chased it along the bank? He was just 71 years old. He wasn't chasing too much. <laughs> 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 it was spectacular. Like The fish just took took half a spool of line down the hole and about 40 or 50 metres down the hole. It just got out and danced and spat the hook. It was a big fish. Still great to see, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, he loved it. He said that it was worth the price of the trip just to see that one fish. And Bob, Shoal Bay, as we all know, it's a, it's an evolution of change every year. Um, as, as much change... Every day. Yeah, every day, exactly. <laughs> as much changed, you know, this year from this time last year in terms of the structure. Yeah, I think the Howard River is becoming a bit of a problem. It's silking up. There's not many holes left in the Howard River. 
They say the how are driven now with all the bores and that in the rural areas only getting 30% of the runoff it used to get. So what what that's doing to the Howard River is silting it up and where there used to be half a dozen nice holes in the Howard, there's only about one or two left. You know. Really, one of my all-time favourite beginning spots was that spot six back in the late 90s and I haven't been up there for five or six years but someone told me the other day that you just wouldn't recognise it up there. Uh, well, you don't even miss spot six very much anymore. You know, there's, the whole river's changed. The whole flow of the river's changed. We used to fish a spot called the supermarket. That used to flow fresh water right through the end of May whereas now it's changed. It's all up the back of what we call Joe's Creek and the supermarket stops flowing and Joe's keeps flowing. So I don't know, somehow the flow of the river's changed up there. But it's definitely a different river than it was 10 years ago, that's for sure. Yeah, and the whole place, I mean, would have changed drastically with such a poor uh, wet season. There, there wouldn't have been any flush of a lot of that silt out of those holes that you kind of need every season, Bob. Oh, definitely in the Howard. It's a big issue in the Howard. The little Howard's okay, but the Howard's definitely an issue because it's such a much wider, shallower river. It just it, It's silting up badly, you know. Bob, if you want to start lobbying government to dredge the entire Shoal Bay, we're right behind you. The whole church <laughs> of the Tinny is behind you. <laughs> Get some massive excavators in there and start digging the holes again. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that doesn't work. They just fill up again yeah, in a matter of days. You know, so. We'd feel good for a week. <laughs> hey, Bob, how was the rest of the fishing other than that metery then in terms of quality of fish, size of fish? You said there were a couple of 80s amongst them. Yeah, yeah, the fish are just that. You know, like, the fish have been there, you've been seeing them, but they haven't been biting. But just last week they came on to bite. We're going out tomorrow. We've got really good tides tomorrow and Saturday, so I'm expecting to be some nice fish about over the next few days, that's for sure. Talk us through again the tides you like and why, Bob. Well, we're coming off the neeps. We've sort of got that round four, four and a half metres of movement. Just coming off the niche for low tide fishing, that's, you've still got a bit of clarity in the water. That's the best time to low tide fish in Shoal Bay, I think. And what are you seeing um, in terms of bait and movement? Is that bait, changed as well? Bait, bait is non-existent. Really? Very very little bait. A lot, there's a lot of little tiny stuff, sort of, you know, 50, 50 millimetres long. That's about all it is bait. There's no decent big baits about, you know. I've been using grunters and they've been going well, the grunters. Uh, rim and anything I can find, really. Yeah, it's tough work at, at the best of times, but if you fish with Bob Andy, he scurries like a spider non-stop along the beach. Pretty much the cast net never gets put down. And good to hear at least the grunters and, and brim are working if the mullet are that tough, Bob. Oh, I reckon grunters are the pick of the bait at the moment. It must be that little grunting noise they make or something. You throw yeah. it out there and they all get eaten. How about that? Get a grunter up yet? Wow, I'm a bit of a yeah. grunter when I'm hooked to a metery. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so what's the general plan of attack, mate? You're coming in there as that tide's dropping, what, at four, four and a half and locking into a low of a yeah. metre and a half, two metres low? Yeah, two metre low is perfect in Shoal Bay, you know. Fish seem to bite better in the, in the, when there's a, that two metre low, you know. When you get too low a low, you've usually got a really big high with it, so that, that's what makes the water run so fast. You've got so much movement. And you do get a, a lot smaller window to catch your fish in, but for sometimes on those sort of tides, even though the window's quite small, they can be quite aggressive when they do bite. You're bothering dropping any pots in? Yeah, plenty of crabs around. The crabs have been absolutely awesome this year. And as usual now, we're starting to, you know, this time of year, it's the same every year. We're getting more jennies and bucks. We've heard reports that those Kimberley crabs have nicked off. Have you seen the same? Definite reduction in them. You still, you know, it's back to the old days where you've got one every now and then, you know. Maybe related to wet season too, or poor wet season, because they were, they, they did seem to get thicker with the bigger wets. Yeah, they did. When, now, I never even thought about that, but that's the fact they were that thick last year. We were getting more of them than the, 
Green crabs. You know? Bloody good news, mate, that there's some uh, some some positive reports coming out of Shoal Bay, and let's hope they continue as the, the weather starts to warm up, mate. Best of luck this yeah, weekend. I'm sure it would, and this weekend's a good good one for people to get out there and have a crack. Good on you, man. Nice to hear from you again. Okay, bud. See ya. Can you hear the, the popping here, Andy? I can. It's beautiful. Little baby barra. Oh, yeah. Down on the daily. At, ba- the, at the pipe. Baby boofs, yeah, yeah. It's quite nice. It's a beautiful sound. Mm. I-, I could use that sound to sleep to. Sad to hear the Howard River's silting up, though. Yeah, it is. You know, do you have, like, a sentimental favourite fishing spot that you don't necessarily still fish all the time, but it's it means something to you? Yeah, Shoal Bay would be amongst them. Like you said, you used to fish spot six? Yeah, it was my first ever barra uh, in Shoal Bay, and in the 90s, that's, that's where I learned how to barra fish, and it's, it's a great place. I feel like I haven't been there enough. I need to reconnect with it. Hmm. But it's a shame to hear about the silting, and it's a shame to hear that some of the other spots have gone. Although... The fishing's picking up, which is good news, and hopefully we'll continue to do so. As we were saying earlier, the forecast is looking at maximum temperatures across the top end and, and across Gregory District this weekend, hovering around 40 degrees. Mm. So that's going to be a hotter than normal um, September, they reckon, and hotter and drier than normal build-up, which is only good for, um, for barra fishing, you'd expect. All good signs. The dew point steadily increasing. Jock rot almost upon us. And don't we just love it? Well, Tim, uh, if you listened to last week's show, which you obviously did because you, you made it... You might, I, I try not to. You might have heard that <laughs> I, I got I back try, to it. I try to forget it ever happened. Move <laughs> well, on. well, it did happen. Move, move on with my life. It did happen. And it was the week that I'd got back from an extended fishing trip. Um, you may remember that, Tim. Yeah, I do. You... You weren't going to allow me or anyone to forget or to not know that you'd just come back from a charter. Although I see you saved the beard off. Yeah, yeah, ah. yeah. I got, ah. to, got to a centimetre Dis- and it was just it got too itchy. Disappointed in you. No, nah, give me the remote. I don't <laughs> Not the anchor. <laughs> Spot on. That, you know, that's what that shaved face says about you. I would rather, as a decky, yeah. just press the button on the remote and, and move forward five metres on the spot lock than pull the anchor. Yeah, clean I mean, shave and I'll press the button, I'll let you wraps. That that one <laughs> centimetre beard pretty much said you were packing full abs, <laughs> massive guns and ready to haul a, you know, a tugboat anchor with a single arm. What do I do with this end? <laughs> Not anymore. Anyway, look, the bloke that kindly organised that trip is Berkey and he's one of the toughest blokes I've ever met. He's, he's a real trooper. Um, unfortunately, about a year ago, he found himself pinned under a roofing beam in what turned out to be an extremely serious, in fact, life-threatening um, accident. Mm. And just to rub salt into the, the dozens of wounds that he sustained from that, the incident meant cancellation of a long-term and long-planned fishing trip, blue-water yeah. fishing trip. Um, that that hurts more than the physical damage, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. but or look, at least on par. <laughs> yeah, yeah on, they're, they're two pretty, two pretty bad events, really. Uh, but the good news is he's made a really strong recovery, uh, and that's what this recent trip was. It was the delayed version of what should have happened Initially, so I caught up with Berkey for a cuppa and a chat, the tinny equivalent of a frothy and a waffle on a Saturday morning. A couple of years ago, me and a few buddies from up here organised a trip to go to the Timor box. Twelve months into it, I had a little bit of a mishap at home building a house. Uh, got a little bit hurt. 
What was the mishap, Berkey? Oh, I took a house on, realised the house was a little bit heavier than me. It knocked me around a little bit, put me in hospital for a little while. Um, but I uh, had good guys around me. Done the right thing, emergency procedure. And I thought, well, the only way I'm going to get through this is calm down and breathe and uh, I'll be in good hands soon. So they took me to Darwin Hospital, fixed me up as good as they could and said, well, you're on the men now. And uh, I was stuck there for a good, I don't know, five weeks or so. What sort of injuries did you have? Um, pretty much a collapsed chest. There's six or seven ribs broken and cracked sternum. Done a bit of damage to a couple of vertebrates on my spine, uh, punctured a couple of lungs and one had collapsed on site. So uh, the breathing was a little bit difficult, but I had some bones break and I thought that was my back. Um, but then I managed to stand up, as in, I didn't, didn't want to stand up, but I had to. Um, and I thought, well, that's a good sign because I'm standing. There was a lot of people come in and see me and brought me fishing books <laughs> and got me on the mend. And I was worried that if anything did happen, um, I was hoping that my wife wouldn't have to sell my gear for what I told I paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> so all those rods that were just 95 bucks. <laughs> $95 combo. <laughs> Not. So tell us about the trip that was planned before the accident. Uh, the trip was planned uh, to go to Timor Box with the charter company up here, do a five-nighter out there and go chase some uh, big big fish, uh, get the deep deep water stuff, blue water stuff. That was going to be five nights. There's a few mates from WA coming over. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I said to the boys, look, I'm in hospital, you still go do it. And they said, well, that's not going to happen because it's uh, part of your trip. And one thing too, Andy, I'd see you at school because the kids go to school and uh, we'd just be on passing and drop off and pick up and we've seen each other in the occasional yoga class in the coffee shop as you, as you do yeah um, obviously it affected you and affected a few other people because i only i only knew you from drop off and pick up pick up and um you know you come in and seen me in the hospital to see how i was going you're a bit you know worried because we've got kids the same age and you know when you're in that situation you do think about what's happened well let's talk about the trip so we're just back from five days talk us through the big trip we got out probably an hour and a half out. I think the sun had just gone down. And then we said, we've got to turn around. We've got electrical fault. Uh, freezer's not going to work. Uh, Aircon's not going to happen. So we, that's fine. Let's, let's, let's head back. So the, there's a dozen blokes. All had half a dozen beers under their belt. You know, throwing throw advice at them. Do this, do that, check that. <laughs> they probably didn't like us standing there, but they were all good. They so there we, there we go. We've just pulled into to Cullen Bay. How was the trip, boys? Yeah, it was good. I went past in a flash. How fast did it go? How long did that seem? Well, it felt like two hours. <laughs> Blink of an eye. So there was a few hiccups. Steamed through the night. We had a couple of couple of drinks on the way out and woke up in the morning and uh, lo and behold, where we are. First drop, bang! I think we're all, we're all catching fish within the first five minutes of dropping lines. So this is going to be this is going to be a good uh, a good trip. Reds, Max. Yeah, we had Reds, Max, Goldies, Fingermark. I got a couple of Deweys. Big Deweys, they were good ones, so I hadn't caught one. Been trying to get them for the last few years. Got one, and then within another five minutes, I think I got another one. The uh, cobia, it was um, the most humane way of catching a cobia, I suppose. Talk us through your method. I had a couple of uh, couple of baits down, and I was getting some small nibbles, and got a little nibble, and it was on, and I thought, oh, you know, I don't really want to wind this up because there's a good possibility the other, the other uh, bait's still there. And then I thought I'd better like wind it up because if I don't, it's going to go around the other boys' line. So I started winding it up and next thing you know, bang, I'm onto something big. And I'm thinking, well, it's probably just a shark's come in. 
grab me little fish and away it's gone anyway we get it to the surface we're fighting I get it to the surface I'm thinking 100% shark lo and behold massive cobia monster boys pull it up then when they go to do the uh, inspection one hook's still out of its mouth it's 100 mil away from it so it wasn't that hook when they cut it open then they realise there's this batfish of all things no tricky batfish of all things it's still got the hook in its mouth and there's no hook in this cobia at all yeah, there was one there that nearly pulled me over the side and that was that $95 rod that I didn't want to lose. I was trying to save so much. It hurt me ribs. It hurt me ribs. But it was worth it. Yeah, it's going to be a big shark. Pure oh, gold. Pure, pure gold. gold. Look at it. Oh, oh. That is an absolute... The Mackies, we had some sessions, went for an hour and a half, two hours. Just people are flicking poppers, people are flicking spinners. The Octo man, we had a friend there, he basically fished with nothing but an Octo jig, and he, that's all he fished with. Very rarely he fished with anything else, but he was fishing and catching as good as what we were. Nice little light gear he had, um, and he was fighting some big, we got some big GTs out there. A lot of people don't like them, you know, so what's a good, but great fighting fish if you want a bit of fun. These, these, these fish are big. The mackerels are just jumping out, jumping out of the water. There was one bloke, flick popper, and we seen the popper on the surface and they were still attacking it. There was probably about six fish kept attacking this blue popper. Just insane. And then the sailies, we got to come across a couple of pods, but that, that was that was great too. Oh, you're on, you're on. water was amazing. We had Kenny on the port side, quiet achiever, catching 750 goldies, as in 750 or 730. He was going for the going for the records. The 780 was the biggest we got, but they were monsters. They were big, big fish. There was a few records broken, some PBs for myself and most of the guys. Like, we, we bagged out. We caught so, so many fish. It was worth the pain. It was worth the wait. A couple of years went, you know, a few hurdles to get there, but like you say, you've got to stay positive. And all the blokes still managed to go out there. It was, it was great. There was great beers, great bunch of guys, great fish had, great place to go. Um, and I'd definitely do it again. But um, we're probably looking at doing another trip out to the Timor box in a couple of years, I think, because we didn't make it. So we'll get there again. We will get there. I'll see you there, Berkey. <laughs> yeah, I think so, Andy. Thanks for the chat. Thank you. Thank you. Well, good on him. Thank God he ended up being able to enjoy the trip after all that. Although a point of order, uh, Andy, you mentioned earlier that you could go to sleep to the sound of these little barra, baby barra, buffing at the daily pipe. Obviously, some of the yarns that we air on the tinny fish shows require editing before making it to the tinny. But why did I find this little bit in the editing trash bin uh, when I reviewed that piece, Andy? One morning I woke up to go uh, relieve myself and I heard piano. I heard some pianos down in the folks hall and I woke up and I asked a couple of boys did you hear pianos and they thought you're just dreaming you're dreaming but lo and behold I've heard someone's listening to piano when they sleep with noise cancelling earphones that's run out of battery and then it's reverted back to their iPhone so I'm listening to classical music at two o'clock in the morning thinking what's going on here I've got to take some responsibility for that Berkey because that was me did you also hear the whales I did hear the whales <laughs> yeah that would have been a bit different piano's okay but whales oh, I think we've got problems guys there might be some whales circling yeah. our, our boat you tried to edit that out but can't get away with that I thought I deleted the deleted bar. <laughs> I thought I emptied the trash bin. I'm sure I put the trash out. You echoed classical music at two 
a.m. Yeah. across a five-day fishing charter boat with eight men on it. Is that, that's how you get to sleep? Yeah, it is. It is. It just blocks out the, the, snore, the snoring and all the other um, male bodily functions that happen during that. Like I must say, it was, I didn't need them in the end. It was such a, such a well-behaved, polite um, bunch of blokes. Not too many bodily functions. I don't think I heard any snoring for the whole trip, but that's probably because the whales overrode them. <laughs> that would have been so annoying. The squeak of the whales, that's what you... Yeah, yeah. You will not be invited back. Breaking news, and this is massive, Andy. Go ahead. You know, Jason, I'm on a billboard, Rogers. I do. Uh, he's on the billboard at the airport. We've talked about this before on the tinny. So as you enter Darwin, hop off the plane, enter Darwin, the first thing you see is his massive noggin on a billboard. And for about six months, he's been letting everyone know about it. Did you hear I'm on a billboard? He asks everyone he meets. Walking the dog. G'day. Lovely Arvo. Hi, do you know me? I'm, I'm on a billboard. Paying for the groceries. Did you hear I'm on a billboard? Visiting the proctologist. Yeah, ready when you are, Doc. Do you know I'm on a billboard, by the way? He's now, he's now on a car. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> he's on a car. His massive head covers the whole back window, almost the whole rear quarter panel no of the car. Yeah, it's one of the uh, Million Dollar Fish yeah, branded sponsorship cars that drives around. And there's Jace. Now he's on a billboard. Hey, did you hear I'm on a car? <laughs> I'm on a brand new car. I'm on an MDF car. I'm Jason Rogers. Uh, what next? <laughs> Let's not, wait, till he, wait till he gets on a plane yeah, or something. I was going to say, yeah, it'll but, be on a jumbo. Yeah, or a NASA rocket. <laughs> no, congratulations, Jace. We, uh, we got the memo, by the way, um, as did the Territory, the, the broader church, that you are on a billboard and you are indeed on a vehicle. So congratulations. Because I've got a golden ticket. I've got a golden chance to make my way. And with a golden ticket, it's a golden day. Well, in the spirit of billboards and the million dollar fish, it is. It's golden ticket time again. It's that time of the year, Tim, that I personally love. It gives, it's the great equaliser in angling. And just like Charlie Bucket in, in uh, Willy Wonka and the, the Chocolate Factory, it gives everyone, even, even the poor and the rich and the... You know, and the, the non-fishos, everyone, a chance to get a golden ticket, or in our case, a red tag. The anchor gimps and the button pushers amongst us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're, all welcome. you're all welcome on the church, whether, whether you're a, a rope-pulling anchor gimp or a button pusher. Maybe you need to run a poll there. Like, what are, you, are you an anchor gimp or a button pusher? <laughs> there wouldn't be many anchor gimps left these days, I don't reckon. People beg, borrow and steal to get a, a button. They, they do. <laughs> Not surprisingly. Anyway, look, the, uh, the MDF competition opens up on the 1st of October, which is exciting. A total of 126 barra this year, tagged with cash prizes. Um, and they'll obviously be released right across NT waters. Catherine, Kakadu, Arnhem Land, Darwin, the Tiwi Islands, all the usual Haunt. suspects. Um, this year there'll be six red-tagged fish worth a million bucks each. So what they've done is they've activated um, the tags from previous uh, seasons as well yep. and then included, of course, the million dollar from this year. And that, 
That actually, my understanding is that stays open right through till September this year. Or unless other ones Unless one, one of the million-dollar yeah. court, in which case the other million dollars will revert but to $10,000. $10, yep. Yeah. So that's $6 million fish in the water. It's pretty good, and it's pretty exciting. So um, if you haven't registered, get in and register. And it's probably worth reading the rules too about what happens if you do catch one because that's probably a, a thing you don't want to stuff up. It comes up, up every season, mm. you know, people making mistakes with how they're photographing it and how they're reporting it and all that other stuff. So check out the rules. You must be registered uh, to, to win and to enter. It's free to register. You can do that at the MDF site. Uh, $6 million fish, 100 10 grand fish, 20 purple uh, tag charity fish worth five grand, uh, half to you, half to a charity. That's right. All the numbers are there too on the website, I presume, for the actual MDF tag numbers we're looking for for the uh, million dollar fish. We might put them on Facebook later on. Best of luck as the season kicks off in just a few days' time. And they left some of the tagging to the death, it would seem. Hmm. And uh, have enlisted help from a, an unlikely source for the tagging, the Tinny's own beard. They probably don't realise he'll try to drag one and, you know, drop it at one of his kayak spots. <laughs> anyway, he's heading out with them, I think, for some of the last rounds of uh, tagging. That's pretty cool. The waterfowl hunting season has started as well. Uh, it's going for 15 weeks this year, so after all the angst of the last couple of years, it's it's much better. 15 weeks, increase the daily bag limit uh, of seven, up to seven magpie geese and ten ducks per person. Closes on the 23rd of December, just before Christmas, in Howard Springs and Lambles Lagoon. And cha- uh, closes on the 6th of January at all other locations. Best of luck as you uh, polish and clean the shotgun. Ready for waterfowl hunting this season. We got a message from Bernie down at Dundee Creek this week. Um, he's an old school top end fisher. He's been fishing up here since the mid eighties or so. He took a fella called Barry recently to a spot well known to locals down there, and it turns out, um, Tim, that Barry's a bit of a muso. Mm. And you know what musos do? They want to turn everything, in, including the shopping list, into a song, <laughs> as Barry did. If you're looking for a sea change, there's a place you should see. It's way up north. In a northern territory If it's peace you're after Serenity that you see I suggest you check out a little Place here called Six Pack Creek Six Pack Creek Oh, Six Pack Creek If you're so sweet Rolling in a Six Pack Creek I got my lure, I got my tackle I'm prepared for a battle Looking for a jewelfish or maybe a bow Pull up a mud crab, it really doesn't matter Just kick back with a beer or wine Such a beautiful way to kill a little time And I can't help but feeling fine Rolling in the six-pack creek Six-pack creek Oh, six-pack creek If you're so sweet Rolling in a six-pack creek Oh, yeah Pretty good, Barry oh, Rock of the good. Territory Rock of the Territory Tales from the City Six-pack creek you know who's Barry gonna, you, you know who's going to love that Is Matt Brand Yeah From the country Oh, yeah That's some country rockabilly Excellent six-pack creek action there From Bazza Cheers, Bazza 
And thanks for sending it in, Bernie. I like that. But that song is going to get stuck inside my head yeah, all it's, weekend. It, it's one of those, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to mention too, uh, just finally, that the Territory is having, did you hear, its own international Luxa festival? I did. So they're inviting all the Luxa makers from the Territory to come together for basically a, a festival, but also kind of a competition. Then next year, it will become truly international. Well, I suggest we go further, or more to the point, you go further. Right. With Jared Godson and your... Um, your harem of uh, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, bugger Luxa, yeah. just rock up and enter Szechuan Michelin star dumplings. Yes. Start your own wave, mate. We could start, start the International Dumpling Festival. Why wouldn't you? Right here on our soil. So people would come from countries all around Asia to Darwin mm. to have a frothy or waffle and a, and a dump, a, 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 dumpling, and a dump, a Michelin star dump. Hey, how is it going? Are you um, your not ABC or Tales from the Tinny supported or endorsed, but certainly uh, enthusiastically uh, supported. Um, enthusiastically. Can we get legal in here, please? <laughs> Tim needs a hand with drafting these words. Enthusiastically talked about frothy and waffle get a dumpling up you Christmas drink in Singapore. No, well, it's Facebook page. It is it's, still at fourteen. It's, it's going well. No, we had a f- we had a flood of people join after we announced on the tinny last week. Um, two at first, and then a third one about an hour later. So, <laughs> so I would say consistently viral. Um, <laughs> the unofficial, uh, not tales from the tinny endorsed. Get a dumpling up your Michelin star Szechuan Singapore dumpling frothy and waffle Christmas tour of twenty nineteen. You can find it on Facebook if you'd like to join Andy and uh, other fishers. And Jared, Jared and, others. Yeah. Yeah, and others. Yeah. Mm. Good. Mm. I think we're clear. I think we're clear. Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a boy. G'day, Bruce Simpson, uh, Darwin Bluewater Angler, Billfish fanatic. Can you run us through the stats you've brought along, Bruce? For September alone... 346 fish raised, 197 fish hooked and 122 fish tagged or released from this month. This is, um, I'd have to say, one of the best runs of billfish I've seen in the four years I've been here. Unbelievable. 346 raised, 197 hooked and 122 tagged. Three, Three weeks. That's just the last three weeks. Father's Day weekend to what's current up there now on our uh, lovely little Facebook site. There was a rumour that when I'm away, the um, the fish seemed to bite. Yeah, the and bill fishing comes good. The bill fishing comes good when I disappear, and it seemed to be the case because I was away on that, that ballistic weekend over Father's Day. Sailfish Sunday? Sailfish Sunday it was, yes. Um, I was over west, and everyone was getting into it. But to my delight, um, we did get stuck into a few in the last full moon phase. Um, so we had two days of fishing, and um, we, we managed to release 11 all up. Why is it so, as they would say on the Curiosity Show? I think you need to link a bunch of things together, and I can't explain what, what's lined it up, but we need clear water, we need good tidal movement, we need bait. The silting of the ramp seemed to coincide with the, the fish showing up. So whether that's a change of current that's pushing new fresh water into the bay and it's stirring everything up, the bait's been unbelievable out there. I really can't put my finger on it, but I really don't care. They're out there, and that's fantastic. You're targeting mostly spring tides. Yes, spring tides. Um, more run, more fun, I believe. As long as you've got the water clarity. 
It's not super important, but I believe if you've got better water clarity, you've got better chance of fish at a distance to see your spread, find your lures, find your baits, find your teasers. So using that, that clear water that's that started in the neeps, and if you've got the calm wind conditions, it seems to allow that water to stay nice and blue, as well as you know, it seems to make the bait move a bit more, fires the fish up. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're not out there this weekend having a crack, you, you are nuts. This is the weekend you need to target. Building tides, new moon, Screw the football, get out there and have a crack. Are, are you calling it this early, Bruce, that, that this weekend could rival Sailfish Sunday? This could rival Sailfish Sunday. It could be the grand final for the year uh, for fishing. Um, I'm either going to look like a complete goose or um, it's going to be a true prediction. But this is identical to Sailfish Sunday, these conditions. What's your spread look like? That really depends on the crew I've got on board. Um, this weekend's a bit of a family weekend coming up, so... Um, We'll, we'll probably start with, with bait early and go back to the marks that we got our fish on two weeks ago on the, on the full moon building tides. Uh, we'll probably run no more than, than three baits, limited teasers, uh, maybe just one, um, and that'll be it. Um, we use the outriggers, of course, to give us a bit more spread uh, just to keep the tangles away, but this, this, this spread of three baits and one teaser last week, we got double hookups, triple hookups, no worries at all. If you were going out with a more advanced crew, though, how would you step that up? I'd probably look to maybe switch bait a little bit more. I'd, I'd probably use the teasers more, or I'd look to have a few more baits in the water. With, with double hookups that are becoming more common with this, this, this run of fish, you don't want too many baits in the water because if they do come in and crash it, they, they'll jump over each other and you'll lose those fish. So sometimes less is more. Can you talk us through what you do when you get a strike, when you're running a bait? Oh, panic! <laughs> yeah, look, it's a it's you're on the biggest challenge of a of a, of a family or a, or a marriage. Go and go bill fishing. It's really key to be to be calm. Um, look, we're going to have the kids on board, so we're going to have the harness already on them, ready to go. They're not big fish, but these are little kids, you know. We don't want them to. They need to be able to have a rest as well. So we have them already set up. The fish, you know, we'll grab the bait or the lure. Lures are a little bit harder because it's already got the drag pressure. But with the bait, it's great. You can sit there and grab that rod. The rod's still in free spool. Put it, give it to the kid, clip in. They can put that bale arm over and they can start that fight. And then that gives you the time to clear the rest of the stuff. Like I said, we'll be doing less is more just so we can give the kids the best chance possible to get onto a fish this weekend. During that panic that, that ensues at these times, how difficult is it for you to watch your potty mouth around the children? Potty mouth comes out when the fish gets off. Um, very much, it's a lot of excitement. It's you get that, I'll get this, I'll drive the boat, slow down, speed up, whatever it is. It's a lot of... Um, I think it's very nice and authoritative when we're, when we're getting ready, but once that fish gets off, the dummy will be spat, no <laughs> doubt. Money for the swear jar, Dad. Yep. <laughs> how, how often do you use lures? If the fish have been sparse, uh, if they're not out there and not in the usual areas, we'll use lures because we'll cover more ground. Yeah, because there's not much action. Lures are really handy because you can just set the reel to strike or, you know, if you get enough noise off your, off your egg beater reel, it means you can be looking around, looking for your pods, looking for bait, for birds... And they'll take on the on the on the drag pressure, and 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 you're trolling faster. We're trolling faster. We're looking at six and a half, seven knots, um, slow as possible. But obviously, you work a bit faster than a bait. You cover your country. The bait process, the preparations, a very intricate and time-consuming process. That's particularly annoying when you get smashed by a school of mackerel. There's a, there's a swear word, mackerel and tuna. Um, that is probably the number one trick with baits is to try and stay away from those tuna. You can't avoid the mackerel. Uh, they'll just come out of nowhere, but. Yeah, it, it's always good to make sure you've at least got enough baits rigged again to reset your spread 
and then if they get destroyed, then you're back in your rigging again. But, you know, the good crews, they're going to have 30, 30 baits pre-rigged and it's just put them on, put them back out again. It is a bit frustrating, but... Um, Mackerel or tuna means more for the swear jar for the kids, doesn't it? Yes, definitely. How's the ramp looking? Yeah, we're in a 24-foot boat this weekend, so we're going to have to really play it by the tides. But these tides are good because it gives you a high tide in the morning and a high tide in the evening. Um, Shane spoke the other week about perfect tides is getting a two-tide two change. We won't quite get that this weekend. But first thing in the morning and last thing in the afternoon, we're going to be pretty close to that tide change, plus one in the middle of the day. So it's, it's good launch and retrieve conditions this weekend. We're hearing sort of three, three and a half now that the ramp's a bit silted up. You, you're hearing the same? Yeah, we have seen the same. Yeah, it's, it's definitely no good if someone's bogged or anything like that. Um, it'd be great if the uh, government can get their contractors out there and clean it up. Yeah, just to give that, that better access. Tidal change on those bigger runs are the primary bite windows? Yeah, definitely. It seems to be following that trend at the moment. Um, look, occasionally you're going to run over a fish. They're going to be there and they're going to, they're going to stir up. But um, you'll definitely find more aggressive bite windows when that, that water's slackened off a bit or there's a bit of a changing condition. Fabulous timing for the Billfish Classic coming up. Definitely. Well, we really certainly hope that the uh, fish keep going. Um, you'll certainly find the reports drop off probably about two weeks out from the event. Obviously, everyone wants to sort of keep it secret, but in the end of the day, it's still the same, same general area, and um, it's really great that people are sharing that knowledge, and we, we hope that people get on board and support the, the uh, Billfish Classic. If people are interested in really getting into a bit more and putting tags in these fish, then um, come down to the Darwin Game Fishing Club, join up, join NTGFA, and I can get you some tags. I, I manage those, and um, you know, it's more research, more knowledge. We, we are sitting on uh, almost a world-class fishery. It is, is very special. You've recently fished WA. Can we call ours a better fishery? I go on. Say it's it. a very good fishery. I'll compare it to Broome. Say I'm, it. I'm not. I'm not rich enough to go across. Um, Broome's only for about three months a year. We're catching these things almost all year round. He he just said it. He said it. He said it. It'd be lovely to have the species variety that Exmouth have, but we don't have 800 metre deep water. Um, again, their sailfish are pretty sporadic as well. We're still getting them most of the year. We're 45 minutes from the grounds. You can do it in your tinny. Um, it's calm weather. Beautiful conditions. Oh, Look, I, it's a pretty good, good secret that's being kept right now. And when the word gets out, um, I think we're going to see a lot more people coming up here, not just to catch a barra, but possibly catch a billfish as well. It is a level of billfish enthusiasm that you would want to bottle. Um, any tips for the grand final? Or you, do, do you just not care? The grand final of billfish? No, no there's, there, there's an AFL grand final he's this already, weekend. He's already said the, the grand finals at Dundee, just southwest of the Witch's Nose. But he must have an opinion on the, on the, on the team. Well, I think it's a 10-goal margin southwest of the uh, Witch's Nose at least. We hope to at least um, better our 11, but um, you're pretty well hard-pressed to go past Richmond this weekend, I think. Never thought I'd say it, but the buffing of those barra down at the Daily was getting in my head. <laughs> it's just annoying me a bit. So I've switched to, to something else. But this is going to be even more annoying. This is cocky. It's up down at Shady. Yeah. I'd... I mean, bless them, but gee, they're noisy, aren't they? Yeah. Can we go back to the buffing? Really? Yeah. There'll be some bird watchers out there oh. just listening to that, going, wow, oh, yeah. I've got to get my binoculars. We're not bird watchers. We're not. We're fishers. Ah, that's better. That's better. Listen, Tim, on the bill fishing that we were just talking about, if we really want to learn more about this bill fishery and why they're here in such numbers and what they do and how they behave and all of that, uh, it really helps to tag them. Yeah, to know the fish is to catch the fish. Yeah, that's right. So Bruce Simpson's the guy to get in contact with at the Darwin Game Fishing Club. And of the 150 or so tags they've put in over the last few years, only two have been recaptured. 
So my inquisitive mind says, well, you know, why is that so? You realise this is, uh, history is being created every time someone catches a billfish in the NT and every time we talk about it. This is the, the good old days, Tim, are happening as we speak. This is history? This is history in the making. This is history in the present? Praise be the billfish. Talking of billfish, we do need a million dollar billfish. It wouldn't be a bad idea, well, would we've it? We've got 126 barra swimming out there with tags. Why not just chuck one in a billy? Billion dollar fish. And that Make is it a the... billion dollars. <laughs> billy, yeah. get it? Little... Oh, you're oh, good. Yeah. oh, you're good. Yeah, get off. You go see... <laughs> go, well, go see the guys with the, with the purse strings. Oh, yeah, no worries. There's this... There's this anchor gimp from uh, some radio show <laughs> who reckons we should just give, put a billion in a billy. Let's, that sounds good enough reason. I can hear the executive in Sydney just saying to me, get out your button, pusher. <laughs> That's exactly what he'd say. But it is time that all the groups got together, don't you reckon? Yeah, um, I To do. convince fisheries, like through AFAN and their, and their clubs. And I know there's a lot of talk and a lot of work going on to it, but you kind of got to really work to convince the Minister and fisheries that it's worth putting the research into this fishery because unless we understand the fish, we're never going to have the opportunity to turn this into a world-class, like everyone says, bill fishery that people get on a plane to come here and fish. Exactly. And people travel to Broome. It's a huge tourism income. Well, people and travel around the world to chase these things. And ours can be it too, but yeah. not without the investment and the commitment to put the research in to understand them yeah. and to satellite tag them and all the rest. Yeah, I, I agree. That's anyway, the first step to that is tagging. So get on to Darwin Game Fishing Club and Bruce Simpson if you if you want to help out in that cause. Yep, straight on the sandbar. Bugger this. Stripped off all my clothes. And suddenly it took a big gasp. A dry reaching just from thirst. Everyone was starting to get a bit peeved with the whole deal. Live to um, fish again. Tales from the Tinny. Well, Pam and George, a couple of grey nomads from down south, hit Darwin last week on a mission to put Pam onto her first ever barra. Just that sentence, I'm, <laughs> I'm already worried, and I don't know how this got past the keeper. Well, who was the keeper on this, Lisa the Brave Lisa or the, you? No, Lisa the Brave. <sighs> Lisa, this better be good because Pam and George. Grey nomads from down south trying to put Pam onto her first barra. This is gonna this is gonna hurt. It is. Stand by for shows. <laughs> it is gonna hurt, isn't it? Members of the church, please be seated. Oh, no. This is probably gonna make you very, very angry. Hey, I'm Pam. I'm from Ballarat. Our boat is only a four metre boat. So we have to be really careful where we go and what time of day and everything. We discovered Nanton Dam. My husband, I think, actually found it on Google Maps. Got in the water and, and had a bit of a fish around. We were casting for a while and we had quite a few patches, actually, which was pretty exciting as well. My husband, George, he had one that sort of took off on him, but I, you know, probably didn't have the hook in its mouth properly or whatever. And we lost that one, but it was all very exciting. We did the whole area and we thought, right, oh, well, we'll just do a bit of trawling on the way home and I think I catch more fish when I get busy with <laughs> other things. And it's like a footballer that they have to wear these special socks to play a game Well, I have to get on the phone or do something like that and then I know I'm going to catch a fish. But this particular time we were trawling and I thought, well, I'll just turn around and face the front and... I like to hold the rod. I like to feel everything when we're trawling. I was about to say something to my husband and bang! And I spun around. It came out of the water. It was just, that was brilliant. 
big jump right out of the water. That just set me off. Get the phone, get the phone. My favourite part of fishing is the fight. So when it come out of the water, that made my day. I was just over the moon. When something like this happens, you just go into like, panic mode. I let it run and then I'd wind it up again and then let it run and I was having an absolute fall and I said, get the phone ready in case because they usually jump twice. He's saying... Get it in the boat first. Get it in the boat. And I'm saying I'd rather watch it jump. I just want to see it jump. We got it to the boat. George done an excellent job of getting it into the net. One scoop. I nursed it and I was all excited about that. I have this big fish on my knees and just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I actually expected it to weigh an absolute ton. But it didn't, really. But I was on a high, probably didn't feel heavy because I was so excited. I was hooting and lowering and George was just looking at me crazy, like as if to say, it's only a fish. <laughs> I was just so happy to catch one. It was huge. We hadn't measured it yet, but it didn't. I don't know. I think I was in shock. <laughs> and I didn't realise it was so big. But when we measured it, I, I, was, I just spun out. I was so excited. And he said, it's 102. Oh, instant metre club. So I'm in the metre club already. I was just hoping and hoping and hoping that I'd catch a barra before I went. It is very addictive. It's just such a good feeling to have a fish on the end of your line like that. You just want more of it. It will never leave me. Yeah, I'm angry, Andy. I mean, I can't take out a lot of anger on, or any really, on Pam and George. Well done, Pam and George. I I feel a, a little bit angry towards Lisa the Brave for letting that one through the keeper. I feel a little bit angry that, 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 she, it's, she, that it's Manton Dam, though, of all the well, places. It, it, it's every element of that story. Well, that's, what are the odds, Tim? It's, it's, it's like, every element. You've got better odds of finding a gold nugget in Lake Alexander. She, she has knowingly and, I think, deliberately put us all through that torture and that pain. Mm. Pam, that's about as good as it's ever going to get. It's all downhill from here. Barra, frothy. Barra, frothy. Barra, frothy. Tales from the Tinny. Unreal. My name is Daryl Lacey. We're here at uh, Wirrawe, out in Nulumboy. Uh, just a little fishing spot I go to. So I'm from around Nulumboy, and my homeland's out at Inyuke. So I used to come here a lot when I was a kid with my mates from school, so there's a lot of pelagic fish that cruise around here. So we get Queenies, Trevally, um, Mackerel. And if we're lucky, we get tuna running through here as well. So heaps of different things. And you see dugongs and turtles as well. Growing up around Nullumboy, what kind of childhood, you know, would you call that? Uh, pretty free. Most of my friends, um, you know, we used to head off on the weekends in the morning, come back when it's dark. Um, a lot of fishing and um, just hanging out and building dirt jumps and stuff like that. Pretty much a, a dream place for a child to grow up, really. Now, you're a young man. What does that mean in terms of your fishing, the, the eyes that you kind of see fishing through? So I think, you know, for most people, fishing is kind of like a fun thing to do, um, and it is, and they see things sort of differently from a sort of non-Indigenous perspective. Um, but for myself, sort of out in the homelands, um, where my family is out at Inyuke, um, Roro and Matamata and those areas, when I go fishing, it's going for the fish, but also seeing the land as well when I go fishing I don't only catch the fish but I see it for what it is so 
sort of I believe in that fish we'll put there and things for us to eat and live off. So it's a resource for myself and my family and other Indigenous people. So we're really um, lucky. I'm lucky out of Inuka that we have a lot of the re- resources still there. So it's um, um, really good also just to go out and be on the land. So if I'm fishing like a rock point or something, you know, there'll be a story associated with that area. So it's not only a fishing spot, but it's a, it tells a story in itself. Song lines and um, stories that I hear from my uncle and uncle, uh, uncles and aunties and um, my grandfather as well. So it's, it's a lot of different things. Not always big Mackie just jump there. Oh, where that bird is? Yeah, where that bird is. All right. <laughs> Come on in, Mackie. <laughs> We'll just wait, we'll finish yeah, talking we'll, first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming kind of between seasons here. I'm getting the feeling the winds are starting to drop. From a Yungle perspective, what is this time and why is it significant? So the Yungle people have different um, seasonal calendars. So we're sort of coming off the season where we would go hunting for yams and the fruits and the sort of ground foods, sort of already being dug up and eaten and processed so now we're sort of coming more into the fishing season especially you know for also for non-indigenous people as well the wind's dying down people are getting out on boats more often and the visibility in the water is going to get better uh, once the wind drops which is really good for spear fishing which is something else that a lot of people do here and myself including so i'm looking forward to the build up and to chase maybe some big barrow as well out in Arnhem Bay, out of Inuke. So that'll be my plan around Chrissy, I think. Head out there and see if I can get myself a big barrow and some goldies and whatever else I can get my hands on. I found it's, it's if someone's looking forward to the build-up, they're likely <laughs> to be a fisherman, i found. Yeah, yeah, fisherman or spear fisherman in, like, East Arnhem. <laughs> Do you have a preferred species you like to target? I think, like, probably most people in the NT barramundi are up there for me i just love catching them you know just on bay casters spin gear hard body soft plastic poppers and uh, fly gear as well the blue bone is up there for me as well uh, especially with spear fishing so i just love to eat them and catch them they just can be a bit tricky to get so that's kind of um, a bit of a challenge and exciting so and also the mackies as well so but i think barramundi just a bit of a cliche but yeah i love them <laughs> We're going to go down to the rocks here as the sun's going down and, and throw a few poppers around, possibly in for maybe a Queenie or a Trevor. Yeah, I reckon. Saw a mackerel jump over there before, so we'll see. It's kind of getting to that mackerel time when the sun's setting, so we, we may get lucky. You never know. What pound line have you got on your rod? Uh, I've just got 30-pound um, line on mine with the 60-pound leader, and um, um, we'll see how we go. Probably won't stand up to Mackie if it goes, goes on the line, probably cut me off, but a Trevally and Queenie should be all right. Oh, the birds are back. <laughs> Let's try it on for size. Rightio. Those barrow really were making me anxious, man. No, these are horrible. Yeah, the birds are awful. Mm. That's, act, that's actually quite funny, Tim, because... Let's, let's put the birds in the background. Well, the, the first couple of boofs sounded like a, a shotgun. <laughs> and then you got the, the birds in the background. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love an interview that's interrupted by a Mackie jumping, Tim. Yeah, that was great. Well, <laughs> but they didn't catch it. Yeah, that, that sort of stuff you just can't, um, you can't cue in advance. Uh, 
And everything just stops. Hang on. There's a, there's a Mackie. Train of thought blown away. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> and he said, I, I did pick up the, the quote there, Barramundi, I love him. Now, if that's not a bumper sticker, then nothing is. I agree. I love him too. Andy, as much as we hate it, as much as we condemn it, we simply can't, Fishos, air every single report we receive, the multitude of very regular, very legitimate complaints of crab pot share farming. On, on the other hand, though, we, we kind of need to continue to take the high moral ground here, Andy. We do. To continue to call it out as unacceptable, hopefully to slowly but surely, through the sheer weight of the church, encourage more moralistic and ethical behaviour on the water. So I've got a proposal for you. How about we air a crab pot farming whinge once every quarter? So to align with uh, due dates for the business activity statements, for yeah. example. Yeah, yeah. So once a quarter, we'll, we'll filter through the multitude of my crab pots were share farmed mm. and we'll play one a quarter so that we can stay on the case but not banging on every week. I think that's very sensible. Mature. Here we are then, at the end of September. Bath statements are due soon. <laughs> Here's the gripe for this quarter. From across the vast expanses of the wild and untamed top end, intrepid tinny correspondents risk rampage and ridicule from crewmates to bring you the truth. Incoming, incoming, incoming. G'day, Tinny Church. Ryan from Palmston here. Just wanted to ring and let you know about some bloke that's lower than a hobbit that I encountered over in Woods Inlet. Went out for a trip, took some keen boys out. The idea was to get some fish, to show them a good time, and to get some crabs back in on the way home. So we make our way back up into a little creek. Tides come down a fair bit, and looks a bit sus around our pots. There's this big millennium-shaped V pressed up into the mud right next to each one of my crab pot floats. As we pull them up, we get that sinking feeling. Sure enough, cable ties have been cut. Some bastard's been here and pulled out pots. Pretty bad feeling. Made ever so much worse by those midges that just come out in force and absolutely mob the shit out of it. This bloke decided he needed those crabs more than we did, apparently. Wasn't even so good as to leave a forex in the, in the uh, crab pot there for us to let us know. We're pretty sure we found the bloke. Despite the uh, protestations of my eager, keen deckies to form a boarding party and go and let this bloke know exactly what the Territory's all about, we thought we'd let it roll, let the wheel of karma turn, and eventually one day he might find himself driving down the Arnhem Highway and his tyre might overtake him or something like that. The ocean's a mean mistress and I'm pretty sure that one day it'll come back and get you, champ. So anyone out there that thinks of pulling someone else's pops is a good idea, just have a think about it. That's that wheel of karma might turn and one day you might need one of the tinny church to help you out. And if you're lower than a snake's ass, then shit stuff's probably going to come back to you too. Uh, anyway, we've managed to catch a couple of fish, the mac tuna, some stuff, hooked up some unstoppables, got busted off a few times. So all that was a pretty good day. Ended up with some pretty radical sunburn and uh, tight lines for the rest of the tinny church. Cheers. Well, there we go. So we'll air another one at the end of December, Tim. For those of you in small business or, you know, tradies who, who got to put in um, those very annoying business activity statements once a quarter, 
This could be really useful, Andy. Um, if you listen to the tinny every week, you hear a crab pot share farming story. You automatically think... Get onto the ATO. Yeah. Put in your activity statement. Exactly. I heard about crab pot share farming. That means it's time to put in the bass statement. Yeah. One a quarter. Maybe we call this the CAS, the CAS, the Crab Activity Statement. <laughs> I it's like the, it. The TFT CAS. All just, par- just part of the surface, fish. It is. <laughs> Supporting you in small business under the Tales from the Tinny Frothy Waffle campaign. Rebuilding the territory economy. One crab pot share farming story at a time. <laughs> and what, what I've liked, Tim, is that each story we do, you know, the, and I'll call them the victim, the victim suggests a potential form of retribution. In this oh, case, the it was... Yeah, yeah the punishment. Yeah. In this case, it was the, the, you know, the car tyre overpassing the driver. I mean, the bush chook spoke of some uh, something that probably feels good but would be unethical, man-trap type things, you know, fishing hooks in the... In the ropes. In, in the ropes. Which yeah, is, the police got onto us and say, do not encourage said, people to put... don't do that, yeah. <laughs> so don't, don't, tr- don't try that at home. Um, you know, we had another bloke say, well, yeah, I would have belted the guy, basically, if I didn't have punters on board. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, someone is going to get hurt over this eventually, and it. Oh yeah, there'll be full bone brawls. And you know what? I, I did some research on this um, this week when we came across this story, and they actually issued nearly twenty six thousand dollars worth of fines in Queensland last year, authorities for this very thing. Oh, but that would have. And been... it wasn't just commercial; it was rec, it... rec as well. You sure? Absolutely, they were fining people for stealing recreational crab pots. It's it's an offence. It's an offence. Yeah, it's called theft. Have you ever heard of that such a thing? And we wouldn't even have the resources to police it. Well, I mean, the, the marine police are never going to go. And, well, unless they well, how uh, they bust someone. unless they stumble on it, or unless someone gets some evidence. We That's need the other to find. Thing. Can you can you see if for next week we can find one of those Queensland coppers to tell us about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, and it is theft. Can I just make the point, though, Tim? It, it is it theft. Is theft yeah. Okay, it's the appropriation of property belonging to another with the intention to permanently deprive. <laughs> That's the legal <laughs> definition. Okay, so if they're taking crabs. And saying, oh, no, I was going to put them back. I think there's a reasonable assumption that if you steal someone's crab, you're not going to put it back. You are probably going to eat it. Am I? And the okay. you're, getting very, you're getting very angry. I am. Good on you. I am. I think we've done our job for, for this quarter. Get your bass statements in, fishos. Tales from the tinny. Get a mullet up, ya. And, and just one more postscript. You would have heard the judicious application of a couple of ratchets. Uh, in their fish shows. That was after much debate here at Tinny HQ. Uh, clearly they were applied in regards to the referencing of a hobbit's genitalia. So as you're heading out for the lovely family picnic this evening with the kids or perhaps listening to the tinny in, in bed as the kids rummage around trying to get you out of bed on a Saturday morning, why don't you play the fun-filled family-friendly game with them? We like to call Guess Which Gonads. So, think genitalia, then think hobbit, then imagine just how small hobbits are, then imagine how low to the ground their their crutch must be, and then so the game goes on from there, and it's great fun for the the whole family. So, lower than a hobbit's blank. Fill the blank. And text in, 1300 mullet. (laughs) Well, that about wraps it up, doesn't it, Tim? It does. That was fun, yet again. And the people that made it fun, we say thank you. Thanks, Bob Morris. Thanks, Berkey. Good on you, brother. You're a good man. Bruce Simpson, Pam and George, Daryl out at Nullumboy. And thanks also to Ryan, the karma-driven, crabless fisho who set us all straight again this quarter. Finally, thanks to Bernie 
and his mate Barry Walker for one of the best fishing-inspired songs I've heard in a while. Six Pack Creek, oh Six Pack Creek, it feels so sweet, rolling in a Six Pack Creek, Six Pack Creek. World-class button-pushing, Anchor Gimp. <laughs> you were so deft over the forward and back button, you held it down for just the right amount of time. Really, really, really championship quality button pushing. Thank you, Packy Andy. And thank you, Fishos. Until next week, get a six pack sporting mullet right on up ya. Ruling in a six pack creek.